You're listening to Welcome everyone to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast about, for and about, or about 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 books by <laughs> written by Asian Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yu. Joining me is our co-host Rira Yu. And today we have a special guest with us, um, Lauren Lola, an author writer um, and fellow pl- book club member. Yeah, <laughs> fellow book club member from the Bay Area, <laughs> calling in via Skype. How's it going, Lauren? Good. Thanks for having me, you guys. And we have Lauren here on the podcast for a very special reason, and it's because she is probably the biggest fan I know of our April book choice, The Will Writer. Mm-hmm. She was the one who uh, recommended it and <laughs> was really pushing for it. And I was like, we have a free month. We'll go with this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so our April book is The Will Writer by Witi Imahara. Ihimaira. I'm terrible. Ihimaira. I'm the worst. I should have. I, I, you know, um, Lauren recommended a podcast that I should listen to before talking about this, and yeah. I totally you got wrapped up it? in Lapeth oh. because it's been busy. So I'm going to rely heavily on you two to, because um, you, you guys, you guys also watched the film, which I haven't watched yet. So my my only exposure to the story is through the book, which I understand is a little bit different than what the movie portrays. Yeah, a, a little yeah. bit, but. Um, I mean, we're main, this podcast is mainly for books, so right. we'll probably concentrate on the book more. <laughs> I think it's, um, I, I think it'd be good to, uh, to take a look at the differences though, because, um, in our live discussion, uh, and for those of you new to Books and Boba, in addition to this uh, monthly podcast where we talk about the monthly book pick, we also have live in-person meetups in LA and online to talk about the books with you guys, the, our book club members. So if you guys want to join in, um, keep on the lookout. It's um, We always post the information on our Facebook page and our Goodreads forums. Right. Yeah. So we usually start the podcast by reading the uh, the synopsis of the book. So mm-hmm. I actually have a physical copy of this book Great. instead of an ebook, which doesn't usually have the summary for some reason. They really should... You know, I've, I've bought a copy of every single book except for this one, which I bought the ebook. So this is like the reverse of like our typical. Yeah. Um, okay, so the summary goes. Eight-year-old Kahu craves her great-grandfather's love and attention, but he's focused on his duties as the chief of the Maori in Wangara, New Zealand, a tribe that uh, claims descent from the legendary whale rider. In every generation since the whale rider, a male has inherited the title of chief. But now there's no male heir. There's only Kahu. She should be next in line for the title. But her great-grandfather is blinded by tradition and sees no use for a girl. But Kahu will not be ignored. And in her struggle, she has a unique ally, the whale rider himself, from whom she has inherited the ability to communicate with whales. Once that sacred gift is revealed, Kahu may be able to reestablish her people's ancestral connections, earn her great-grandfather's attention, and lead her tribe to a bold new future. Cool. So right off the bat, it, it's pretty much a modern... Oh, and Okay, we sh- should have mentioned... I don't know if we should still mention, but we're going to talk about this book. So if you haven't read it yet, you can get spoiled. So it's up to you whether you want 
Or read? you can listen to this podcast and then read the book. You can let us influence your perception of the book, or you can read the book and see if it matches up with our perceptions. But yeah. just just a warning. We're about to start. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it reads like a modern fairy tale because like or, or folk folk tale because you know it's about Maori culture and there's some mysticism, there's some magic, there's some you know spiritual awakening but it's also set in a time with laptops and computers and motorcycles Mm -hmm. yeah you know well this book was originally published in 1987 so this is it's been it's been 30 years since this book has been published and for the movie it's been about 15 years so um it was written definitely in a different era than we live in now and uh, I think I think the book and also the film kind of reflects that. But we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but I guess we can open with our general thoughts on the book. Marvin, what did you think about uh, about the book? Since that, like, you you haven't watched a film, and uh... I thought it was it was a very breezy read. Like it was. Um... It's a short, what, 150 pages? It wasn't that long. Um, it read like a, a folktale. Like, this is... Um, and I thought it was really interesting, especially since this is like an older book, but it kind of reads like... Um, um, like, it's about female empowerment. It's about, um, like, gender equality. But it's also about just, like, um, how there's a new... Like, it's a new folktale for a new time, right? Like, um the whole um, conflict between Kahu and her grandfather um, is just, it's super cheesy, but it's also really like affecting, okay. right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's cheesy in the fact that it's such a, it's such a cartoon. It's like a very cart. I can see this as like a Disney cartoon where it's like, oh, there's like old cranky man just doesn't like his granddaughter because he's a girl. And then she has to prove herself mm-hmm. to him. And then he comes around like 180 or like, out of nowhere, I feel like. Yeah, this book is definitely uh, for... I mean, I found this in the young adult section of the library, but I would definitely consider it more middle grade. I can see middle school readers um, picking up this book. But yeah, a lot of surprisingly, a lot of adults love this book. If, if you check on Goodreads, there's like a lot of people who are raving about this book. So. Yeah. And I, I thought it gave a good glimpse into just Pacific Islander culture, Maori culture. Um, the story being told through the uncle's perspective is really interesting too, because it's like it's like a first, it's a third person story told through the first person, right? Yeah. Well, what about you, Lauren? Like you, um, you reread this book for book club. Um, I don't know when mm-hmm. was the last time you read the book, but like, like, what were your thoughts on it? I last read it in November, so it wasn't that long ago. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. I feel like you read this book like, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I read this book. I, I always make the effort to read at least once every year. And so I first read it when I was 13. So I, I guess this is like the 12th time I've read it. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, what's has anything changed in your, I guess, interpretation or experience of the book since? Is it more like a comfort food thing? Kind of like how we go back to like old 90s era Disney movies every once in a while to kind of like to 
<laughs> to re re reestablish connections with our youth, or is it more of a like a something that's evolving for you? I think it's um, more of the latter, where it's evolved as I've gotten older. Because I think before, when I was first introduced to it as a thirteen-year-old, I saw it as a story that could easily been cliche, but the way it was told uh, made all the difference. And that goes for both the book and the film. Uh, but as I've gotten older and have become much more aware of our culture, and especially now in the current political climate, it takes on a new meaning, if you really think about it. Yeah. It was funny because uh, after I read the book, I watched the movie and uh, Dan uh, was watching the movie with me. And he was saying, wow, this reminds me of Moana a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did see like in, in, in yeah, that's what Martin was saying the other day. Yeah, I kind of saw that in, in, in an alternate universe, someone could have taken this book and turned it into the Disney movie that would become Moana. Yeah. Because it's about, I mean, it's, it's about a girl that can do incredible things in a world. Like, the difference is like, you know, in, in Moana, she was always going to be chief. Yeah, whereas in like this book, it's she has to kind of like fight for it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, you mentioned oh, earlier. There's, there's less sailing in this book. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Marvin, you mentioned earlier that uh, the the book is interesting because it's kind of told through like a third person view. Yeah. Like, it's told from the uncle's perspective. And I actually was very annoyed about that when I first uh, started <laughs> reading the book because I was like, this is about Kahu. This is about uh, yeah. this young, brave, uh, young, brave girl. But I keep hearing it from the uncle's voice and I, I just couldn't help but think, oh, would this book be different if it was written in the girl's perspective? Would I have uh, seen her more? It would have been, I would have liked it more if... Um, if I heard her internal uh, thoughts more. But then I listened to the podcast that Lauren recommended. Right. Um, which was a, I think it was it a World One interview with the author? I'm not sure which channel it was, but... Uh, it was a BBC, right? Or I think it was distributed by BBC, mm -hmm. but I don't think it was actually BBC. But No, it was the BBC World Book Club. Oh, it was. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, they had a very... Uh, in-depth interview with the author and someone had asked him that question uh, asking him why did you write the book from the uncle's perspective and not the girl's mm -hmm. uh, perspective and uh, with Ihimara he said well like I'm like I'm a man <laughs> and um, while there are male authors who can write in like in the voice of a young girl or were women characters, he didn't really feel like it was right for him to um, to kind of like get into the head of the yeah. main character. And I was like, oh, I respect that. Like if he felt like he couldn't write um, a good story from that perspective, then yeah, like, I mean, it's like, I, I thought that was a very interesting choice. <laughs> and like after I, I heard about that, I was like, oh, no, it like makes sense. And I actually really did like the chapters where Ravi, the uncle, he leaves New Zealand. He goes to Australia and he goes to Papua New uh, Guinea. Guinea. Yeah. yeah, I was actually talking to Lauren about those chapters where, you know, this is a story 
about Kahu and her grandfather. And so those chapters, if you take those out, would not add or subtract from the story. You know, they're kind of more a flavor. And as someone who isn't as familiar with Pacific Islander narratives, it was kind of really, really cool to see this this extra flavor of like the Maori diaspora throughout, you know, New Zealand and Papua New Guinea. And just a glimpse of like the the culture and the types of you know even the types of racism that they, they, they yeah experience. yeah I was actually really surprised with uh, like I guess the nuance to uh, racism and colonialism <laughs> that was in this book because it's meant for younger readers and it's like oh like this fairy tale with whales and like mythology <laughs> and this young girl trying to like get her grandfather's love and. And then it like all of a sudden switches to oh shoot like someone got killed. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, I was like, whoa, this is like heavy stuff for a kid to read. That about. was a very like the scene where the the friend runs over there. Like, is it one of their servants or one of their like field workers? Or okay, something? so like, I, I guess we should start from the beginning of that arc. I guess. <laughs> So, uh, Uncle Robbie, he's in Australia. I think he's in Sydney or. Another city in Australia. I'm not sure. But he's in Melbourne. Melbourne? I okay. I think so. Well, he's in a city in Australia. And just don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. And his- I just met a guy from <laughs> Melbourne, so that's in my head. Sorry. Okay, well, he is in a city in Australia, and uh, his white roommate is like, oh, my, my dad is like paraplegic. Was he white? I yeah, thought he was just like a lighter skinned, like... No, um... it sounded like he was white. Like he's... Okay. Yeah, but... It... How did you read that, Lauren? Was he white? Mm-hmm. I I would assume, yeah. Okay. I yeah. So. Well, it, like, okay, so <laughs> the next part I'm going to say, uh, I, I'm about to say, I think it kind of clears up yeah. why I think he's white. But he's like, oh, my dad's paraplegic and my mother wants me to go back to Papua New Guinea to uh, help with the coffee plantation that yeah. my, my family owns. And Uncle Ravi's like, okay, um, do you want me to come with you? And, <laughs> and, they, and they go to... Um, yeah, because he's on this, like, see the world, like, expand my horizon. He's, like, in his early like, 20s. Know, yeah. Like, he, he wants to experience new things. So, so wearing he, denim jackets and getting in fights. Well, know. yeah, and, and he goes uh, with his roommate. And right away, he realizes that uh, his roommate's family is not okay with him being um, of Maori descent. Mm-hmm. Because, he, because they keep referring to him as, like, the native Okay. Yeah, and and like the mom is the mom is very clear that she's he should, the worst. She yeah, she's like, oh, you so should bad. like she tells her yeah. son, oh, you should keep to your own, like not okay. like he's not the right like like Ravi is not not your. I kind. thought it was because Ravi was more like blue collar, like he's you know. Well, yeah. it was also like like they mentioned skin color, right? So I was like, okay, I'm guessing that. <laughs> I, th- I think the roommate's name was Jeff, but I'm guessing that. Yeah, his name is Jeff. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, th- like... I just thought that he was white. And then no, and then I, they I, have I... like these big lavish parties and the mom is just like, oh, you know, my son, Jeff, he's always bringing in stray dogs and cats. Uh, and now he brought in a native. I get it. No, I, I think you're right. I think I just, I don't it know. For some reason, I missed that part. super yeah. colonial. So <laughs> I like immediately assumed that he was white. But I don't know. I, I, I might have to reread the book again to right. make sure. But there's a I'm scene. I'm rereading the passage where they met. And he doesn't really give a physical description of Jeff. 
So I'm assuming he is white. I guess from his name being Jeff is probably <laughs> also coffee plantation. So I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, no, I, I'm coming around. I see that. <laughs> also, they run over. Yeah, they run over a dude. Yeah, and then they, they like over a dude, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. it's just a native." So and they run away, and like the <laughs> like the mom was like just being terrible. It's just they're the worst. That was a, that was an interesting like just intermission in the middle of the story right because i guess he had to find a way to skip from like her as a baby to her as a girl yeah yeah instead of saying like four years later well like the book was interesting because it was told from his perspective and uh kahu like we kind of see her in the periphery and that's also partly because she doesn't actually live in the village until right until like in her early uh or like 10 i think like 10 or 11 well she's eight at the end of the story okay never mind so she she moves into the village while uncle rowry is still abroad so i think when she's probably like five or six i guess yeah because um because the whole deal is that her mom uh passed away shortly after her birth and and uh koro her grandfather is like oh why doesn't why doesn't she stay with her mother's relatives? We don't want her. Like she's no use to me, and that's why she spends only and he the says summers. That a, yeah, he says that a lot during the entire um, like book. Is you're of no use to me, and that's like the central theme of his character being like cranky, misogynist chief grandpa. <laughs> Well, what did you think of uh, Koro, Lauren? Like, because you read it when you were like a younger well, girl, and now you're an adult. So I, I'm curious as to like what you think of his character. Yeah, the fact that Kapu is just so determined to win her grandfather's love. I'm thinking, whoa! I would not at that point with him being as he is for that many years of her life, or majority of her life in that case, because she's really young. Yeah, I don't know if I would be able to persevere as much <laughs> as she has. That was adorable. It really but... took Ryan Whale to gain her to gain his love. Yeah, and like it took her dying for him to like realize <laughs> that he loved her. You know, um, quote unquote. And that's you know that's at the end. But I mean, I can see her as a as a baby, like just wanting attention from her grandfather. But it like carried on till she was like a kid, and at some point, like. I would have given up too. I don't know. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> I was. I was really. Um, it was destiny. I mean, I was. I was just really surprised that, uh, like, the grandfather was so uh, so against his only great grandchild yeah. inheriting the title of chief. And I'm guessing that it has a lot to do with the culture of the tradition. Uh, tribes. Yeah. And not even yeah. that, but like, I think it's, I mean, a lot of this, the central conflict of this book comes from the, the um, conflict between, or the, yeah, the, the collision between tradition and like family and modernity. Right. Because it's not like um, mm-hmm. there weren't like, the, the tribe where the grandma comes from, Nanny Flowers, like that's a tribe. That's a tribe where like women are leaders. It's yeah, a, like a matriarchy. There, there were women chiefs yeah. in her tribe. So I was like, that's a little weird that he's <laughs> totally against it. But um, 
But I guess, like, because of that, we have a story, because otherwise we wouldn't have conflict in this book. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going like, to probably, like, switch gears and talk to t- talk about the movie a little bit, because it, okay. is, it yeah. is a bit different. So, in the movie, the grandfather is not a total dick. <laughs> <laughs> Like it, it's very clear that he wants a boy, and he's um he's very traditional, and and in the movie, Kahu is actually born a twin, and she had a twin brother oh. who uh, died at birth. So there's that added layer. Right. Um, and the movie's told through her perspective. Yeah, the movie is right. told uh, primarily through her perspective. Is Uncle Rauri in? Oh, he's there. Is he still cool? Um. Not as cool as the book, I think. He's kind of like, uh, kind of bumming around. Okay. Does he still like wear leather jackets and get into fights? No. And ride bikes? No. I mean, he has his bro Mm. friends, but no, definitely (laughs) not. Definitely not as cool as he is in the books. But um, in, in, in the movie, like the grandfather actually like picks her up from school every day. He Mm. like, uh, like. He like tells stories about like Maori mythology, so there is like this bond. But then, as he gets a little bit more obsessed with finding the next chief, because mm-hmm. um, like in the movie, he since he had a bond with his granddaughter and like gradually kind of like drifted apart from her, there seemed to be more tension and more conflict in the film, as opposed mm. to in the book, he just kind of hated his granddaughter uh, yeah. all the way up until the end of the book. Um, do, you think, do you think that made more sense? Um, like, I, I guess that for me, that would make more sense in the end for him to come around because he had this connection. Because um, from the book, it did seem a l- little abrupt that he would all of a sudden realize he loved her all along. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also like in the movie... Uh, his son, I forgot his name. I should probably look that up. Por- Porongi? Yeah, Porongi. Yeah. Like, um, in the book, he's still, like, the next chief. He's mm-hmm. still living on the island. He's still um, helping out with the community. But in the film, he actually leaves. He goes to Germany to be an artist. And oh. he, meets, uh, he meets a woman there. And it's not... Uh, he, and she's, she's a Caucasian woman. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like that added desperation in the film for him to find the one because the next chief right. is not like there, there is no next chief. I wonder if that's, um, because the movie was made in what the nineties, right? No, 2002. Okay. So yeah. like almost 15 years after the original yeah. edition of the book. So I wonder if that's more yeah. of like a, another like modern wrinkle into like the, the Mary story, which is like in addition to. Uh, like coming up against you know these modern things like gender equality and gender norms and things like that. Now you have to deal with like international travel and like the dissipation of your culture within like this globalized society, right? Yeah. Also, like in I the- probably should maybe this will help. Um, probably should mention that the film is a German co-production as yeah, well. Yeah, it is. I was oh, okay. about to mention so that. Maybe that's <laughs> okay. So they need um, to hire a German actor in order for. To get the monies, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I do want to um, mention that since this book was, like, made in the 80s and the movie was made in the early uh, early 2000s, probably started production in, like, 2000, 2001. Yeah. Um, 
the film definitely shows uh, how, like, the Maori community, like the Maori tribe, their culture is kind of like dissipating. You, mm-hmm. you see it in uh, in like the way they live. Like, the house is a little bit run down. Their school is a yeah. bit dilapid- dilapidated. There's not a lot of young. Um, young adults in in the village, I whereas mean, like in the book, it seems a little bit more optimistic. There are people who are more interested in uh, in learning about their culture. Like there's more there's schools, a school. but I mean, even in the book, um, they also, they're also running into like the encroachment of commercialism and capitalism, right? Like when so the scene where all the all the whales started getting beaching themselves onto onto the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, they were talking about how a lot of young people were going out and like just yeah poachers har- har- harvesting their their blubber and stuff instead of trying to like put them back into into the water and saving them and I, th- I thought that was really like that was a really affecting scene because you get to, you see like even within the times now like they're they're already this like people who cared more about their own well being as opposed to like these creatures are supposed to be like their spiritual guides and their spiritual like. Yeah, like yeah. Um, from like reviews and from uh, reading uh, like comments in the Goodreads community, it seems like a lot of people were really affected by that scene where mm-hmm. like over 2,000 whales were beached and yeah. there were poachers. Um, a lot of people said they, they cried. And it's something, there's, there's something about whales that <laughs> make people very sentimental and like create a very yeah. special attachment to them i don't know if it's because they're endangered species or because uh they're well they're like our mammal cousins right yeah. <laughs> like they're smart <laughs> i think um yeah and what i really also liked about that scene was it kind of showed like uncle wari and like his all his coolness going around like beating people up for like and saving the whales and and introduced us to um was it a, a old white lady that was like trying to save the whales or something well yeah there were a yeah. lot of like there were a lot of people trying to save the whales yeah. and i think that that was like a nice touch you know because it shows that like like it no matter how devastating the situation was like it brought <laughs> people together it made people bond yeah. more um lauren what do you think about that well given you know what they were brought to believe about where they come from can you blame them for not only being sentimental, but wanting to save the the lives of these whales? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, Koro definitely saw it as an omen. It's like, oh, this yeah. is the end <laughs> of my tribe. This is a sign from, like, Paikia. And it's like, yeah. I can, I can, to- like, I can totally see, like, how he would think that. Well, he's, like, in this situation where he has no air. He's like, <laughs> none of these boys are worth anything. They're, like, all, like, too... Like, not worthy. And then now, like, the whales are coming and, like, beaching themselves onto the beach. It, w- it was a very bizarre yeah. situation where, like, even when they brought one whale back into the ocean, it would, like, it would come back because yeah. it wanted to be with its family. Yeah. Um, mm. And the book, the book does an interesting thing in between chapters. You get kind of a internal monologues of of the whales we get the side story of like the whale the whale tribe i guess the whale pack uh, of like the original i guess the whale of the whale writer ancestral whale writer yeah like he is longing for paikia yeah he's like grown old and senile and like um is just pining for the past 
right? Yeah. In a lot of ways, he's like the the whale equivalent of coral. Like coral, I forgot his his um actual name because coral means old man, right? In in the tribe, like linguistics. oh no, coral is his actual name. His nickname was Paka. Oh right, Paka Coral. Anyways, it was like it was something that uh, Nanny Flowers would always call him when right. he was kind of being an idiot, and uh, <laughs> Kahu kind of picked up that habit of calling him Paka because oh. it was kind of like an endearment. Okay, yeah. Yeah. coral means sir. Uh, so I don't know if we want to jump ahead to when um, we're jumping all over the place yeah. as well, right? But the the whales like the the ancestor whale is pretty much like the whale version of coral, mm-hmm. being like stubborn and thinking about the past and wanting to like relive the glory days. Yeah. Right? And that's part of the reason why. So after the whole like mass beaching incident, um, the ancestor whale ended up beaching himself right at the tribal, like the tribal beach, right? Mm-hmm. The, the beach where the tribe was the Wangara. Yeah. His name. Yeah. And then like when, when Koro saw this, this whale with like, I guess he had a tattoo. Yeah. He was like, Oh no, it's like, it's totally the end. This is like, our tribe coming to die, right? Our ancestor coming to like end everything. And uh, when um, the ancestral whale is beached, Kahu goes on top of him and kind of, kind of like tricks him into believing that uh, like Paikia has yeah. returned. Well, Kahu can speak to the whales. We, we learned that he can, she can speak to dolphins and whales and, and the, the ocean life. Mm-hmm. And I guess she finds, you know, the the muscles that like the the whale has trained to become footholds and handholds to like go for the whale rider to, for the original whale rider to climb on his back, mm-hmm. right? And because Kahu was named after the whale rider, yeah, as as like a way to maybe like was it the spite coral or was it just to like honor? It was to honor, yeah, him, was- right, yeah, the the tribe, um, which is part of the reason why I guess Grandpa Coral just. Didn't like it. It's just like another tally to his <laughs> like, but um, she rides the ancient whale back yeah. to the ocean, and the, the other the whale thought that she was the original whale rider because they shared the same name. Yeah, and yeah. then she, you know, she disappears, and that's when Nanny Flowers is just like, "That was your granddaughter. Like now she's gone, <laughs> and look, she got this um the stone. She right? got like the uh your your necklace from the deep like the reef or." Yeah, from the reef because like he like the final test for for someone to become chief is for them to retrieve it from the depths of the ocean. Yeah. None of the none of the young men or boys like retrieved it. Yeah, but Kahu did. So, um, <laughs> and then that's when he realizes that uh, she was the one. After she was all. the one after all, and he was blind, and now she's gone. <laughs> but then you but then you realize at the end of the book that. Uh, She's not gone. She she's sent back because yeah. um what is it? Like the ancient the ancient whale brings her back to his kingdom. Yeah. And all of his like female uh companions are like that's not that's not Paikia. Well, not that's- even not even all her female companions, it's just the, the one elder one. Like yeah. her his like his pretty much his queen. Yeah. In a sense, right? His like the the elder female Elder. Yeah, and she's just like, um, I know you miss your friend, but that's not him. Yeah. I mean, it's probably his descendant, but she doesn't belong here, so we need to return her. <laughs> and I I heard from the interview with uh, Witi Ihimaira that 
that was not the original ending. Yeah. The ending was uh, the ancient whale finds <laughs> out himself that like that's not uh, that's not Pykea. Yeah. So that's that was something that um. So there was a afterward in the the version of the book I read that I guess was the foreword in the one that Lauren read, which kind of details his um the the, the author's. Um, story about writing this book, and the, w- that was one of the first things he changed. It makes sense in the whole, in terms of the whole story, which is like, you it's know, a, it's about female empowerment, yeah. and you know, having a male character, even if it's a whale, <laughs> it, it kind of undermines that that theme. You know, it's like, oh, like a male tells a young girl, oh, you are the chosen one, <laughs> and you must return to your people. Like that's not really that encouraging. Yeah. So to change it from having a male whale telling her go back and fulfill your destiny, it's much yeah. Like it makes more sense to have a female whale. But it was funny that like this the tower queen whale was like knew exactly how to like break it to him too. She's like the whale version of Danny Flowers, who like just knows exactly how to one push his buttons or be like explain things to him. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean I thought I thought it was really um like it was really nice that there was a nanny flowers to really support uh this young girl who's not getting love from anywhere. <laughs> it's like it like how often do we see older female characters um encouraging young girls to um kind of break gender roles and like encourage them to um was the grandma from a uh, Moana? Yeah. <laughs> Because like like in like in a lot of books where there are like o- like an older nanny figure, mm-hmm. it's always just like oh, just get married, like right, get like, married, be pretty, be fairy godmother, like I'm yeah. gonna make you pretty so you can get married, or like. But it was um, like really, but it was like really assuring, like reassuring that like there was this older female figure who is from a strong female yeah. tribe, and she's like, yo. You can do a good job as chief. Like, don't let your grandpa say any. Like, <laughs> like you can. You're better than all those other boys. You're from a a, a village of chiefesses. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was like nice how she had like a good handle on the boys, like Uncle Rowry. Like, she yeah. she's just like, hey, you need to protect this girl. This girl <laughs> is special, and you're gonna treat her right, even though like in our culture, in this tribe. Um, like she's not useful because she's seen as like weak as right. the weaker gender. So it was like nice that like not only um, she encouraged Kahu, she encouraged male characters yeah. to uh, see women in like a very <laughs> in, a, in a very respectful way. Um, yeah, like th- I I thought it was refreshing. That goes to um, so in the afterward, um, he wrote about what led him to write this story was that he was watching, I guess, a bunch of children's programming with his daughters and his daughter was really getting really upset that there weren't any, like that the girls, the women in these stores are always being rescued or really whiny or just cared about like boys. And like, why can't the girls be the hero? And then he ended up just writing this story in like a couple of days. Yeah, actually it was, um, I, I don't know which edition you read and what, <laughs> Uh, edition Kindle Lauren, editions, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> what edition Lauren read, but um, my my copy of the book had a, a foreword. Okay, and, I think that's the one that Lauren read then. Okay, and so I think it's probably the same. It might it might be the yeah. same, but he had mentioned that like his 
um, he was staying in New York at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's a whale in the Hudson. And there was a whale in the Hudson yeah. River. And <laughs> he was like, oh, my gosh, it's a sign. And, <laughs> and he wrote this and he wrote this book in dedication to his daughters. And yeah. I thought that was really sweet because because um, in the interview, he mentioned that like his his father was a chief in, in in a Maori tribe, and there was a lot of expectations put on him mm-hmm. to have a boy to continue the line of chiefs. But he had two daughters, and you know he loves his daughters, and he thinks that they can do amazing things. And he wrote this book to kind of uh, yeah, like prove, to, <laughs> like well, not prove to them, but kind of like encourage them. Yeah, and even he was saying in that in a forward slash afterward that you know like there's def- there's a lot of different like versions of this myth of like essentially the creation myth of his village, and like this is just one version, and this is the version that he wrote for his daughters. Yeah, yeah. and also um, like he had mentioned in the same in the very same interview that I mentioned earlier. Um, that he would get fan letters from all over the world, and um, there was there was a boy from China who had mailed like who had written a letter and saying, "Hey, thank you for um, writing a book that showed that second second born sons can do great things too," <laughs> because it's written in Uncle, Uncle Rowry's uh, yeah. perspective, and he does he sees the world, he does great things, and yeah. he's a second born yeah. son. So um, it's interesting how like how many people read this book around the world and got different, like took different things from it, you know? But yeah, this book's been around for a long time. And like, I guess the original print, the original editions, they're rare now. They're like collector's items. Well, yeah, it was only published. Like it was only published in New Zealand. He didn't expect this book to go. (laughs) um, I mean, maybe to Australia and maybe to other Pacific islands. It was the movie that like, led to its popularity like the reprint right um i think it was pretty popular before then i Mm. i I don't know the exact timeline but i do know that it had international uh distribution before the film and it was a pretty popular book and the movie just made it it, the movie just exploded (laughs) it got into sundance it got into all these international film festivals and won awards left and right. Yeah. Um, the actress who plays uh, Kahu or Pai in the in the movie, she's um, she was like the youngest actress to be nominated for an Oscar until her record got broken a couple of years later. Mm. But like it, the movie made history, and I think it really put uh, like not just New Zealand, but it also put like Maori uh, like culture on the map. I don't think a lot of people knew about <laughs> um, like Pacific Island tribes before. Yeah, this movie. everyone just thinks about like Hawaii Luau dancers or Yeah. 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 And it, it's interesting that we're we read this book at this time when like <laughs> Moana came out and Yeah. Um, and just well, also, um, the director of the film is also back in the news because she's directing the live-action Mulan. Really? I'm pretty sure. Lauren, can you back me up on this? Yeah, that's right. She's directing yeah. the live-action version of Mulan. That's so weird. <laughs> Actually, this, this is really funny because um, in the movie, there's a scene where uh, Koro is training the boys in, in like, I don't know what it's called, <laughs> tai, Taiha? Like... 
it, it's like yeah, Taya. Did you say let's get down to business? Yeah, it was like it was like a let's get down to business scene with like with like the boys like having uh, like fighting each other with uh, with staffs and and. Um, that song could just be his entire theme oh song. Just gosh. be a man. That's, that's, all, like, you, that's when all he that wants. Scene came yeah. on, I was like, oh my god, it's let's get down to business. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. I think it's pretty funny that like she's. Whoa, I cannot believe I can so, make like, that connection. Well, like, he, like, goes up to the boys and, like, does, like, scary faces and, like, sticks his tongue out and, yeah. and being like, oh, this is what we did back then to, like, show our enemies that we will, we will like, <laughs> we will eat them and intimidate was, them. Oh, yeah, that reminds me of one of my other favorite scenes, which is um, her, I guess, her elementary school graduation. Oh, yeah. Um, where she, like, makes this big, like, like I guess she does a speech in her native language, right? Mm-hmm. And then Uncle Rai was like, and he just got up and did a haka. Yeah, and he's like, "That's awesome." Actually, that that was like also my favorite scene in the movie as well. <laughs> oh yeah, but the movie was a little bit different because mm. there was this buildup of um, it's like, hey, there's gonna be something special at this like school event concert right. concert thing. I really want you to come. <laughs> <laughs> So there's like more of a build up and mm. when she does her speech in the movie she's like crying. So mm. it's like it's a little bit more heartbreaking whereas like in the book um she was still heartbroken. It, it was still it, though, a yeah. very sad scene to read, <laughs> but in the book she seemed to be involved in every single club. Yeah. Like she's kind of seemed to be She's uh, like the student council president. Yeah, she like of... was in gymnastics, she was yeah. in choir, she was in a lot of these clubs. <laughs> And she was very capable in in all of them. Whereas in the movie, I felt I felt like she, um, I guess she was more down to earth. In my <laughs> opinion, like she, like one thing, what one complaint I will have about the book is, um, uh, it made Kahu kind of seem like this, um, like the chosen one, right? Like, yeah, very much like the chosen one. Like can't do any wrong. Yeah, and. Like kind of, kind of like a child goddess in a way. Yeah. Like she has no flaws. Whereas, like in the movie, she clearly had flaws. Mm-hmm. She uh, she was a tomboy and she got into trouble and um, maybe, there were all these other things. But and maybe that's the thing we're missing when the story isn't from her perspective, right? You see it from her uncle. Yeah, and, that's what you know. I that's that's what I thought too when I was reading the book. I was yeah. like, oh, maybe if it was written in her perspective, we'll get like more of her flaws. We'll yeah. get more conflict. I mean, maybe the reason she's doing so well and everything because she desperately wants her grandfather to like notice her. Well, yeah, like, yeah, that that would make sense. Yeah, Lauren. Again, um, having read this book like, so many times, um, what's the main thing that's changed for you from the first time you read it to now? Um, I think. When I first, well, I saw the film first, and then I read the book. Um, I think one thing that's changed for me is that I have a, it was my introduction to not only the country of New Zealand, but it was also my introduction to Maori culture. And so I think since then I've learned a bit more about it. I've read many of other Witi's books, and I've seen other films made in New Zealand surrounding that culture. So I think I have a better grasp on mm-hmm. what it's like. And so now I'm able to read this without having right. too much. I kind of wish I um, consumed this book through an audiobook because from what I've watched in the movie, uh, it seemed like Maori culture is very like rooted in music and chants yeah. and like oral history and oral right. history. Yeah. And I kind of wish I yeah. 
like I'm pretty sure the audiobook had like music, like background music <laughs> and and pronounced everything correctly and had yeah. like, had like the chance <laughs> and I I really wish I had chosen to uh consume the book through uh, through like an auditory way but um yeah it was also like a good introduction for me because I don't really read a lot of um I haven't read a lot of books with Pacific Islanders as as uh as like main protagonists at least yeah I mean this book was published in in the late 80s and I think it holds up now it's I think people a lot of people keep going back to it because mm. it has um sadly we still have gender inequality <laughs> in 2017 it's especially in 2017 with right. uh, the Trump administration so it's it's exactly. definitely something that people yeah. can relate to especially young young girls who are reading this and it's kind of cool to have like a young strong female character who has no like there's no boy in this story it's not like there's no boyfriend there's no love triangle it's just her yeah you know. Yeah, like I'd like to think that um, young readers who are reading this, it's also young young male readers um, that they'll learn that girls can do great things as well yeah. as, as boys <laughs> and um, it will kind of teach them to be more empathetic. I mean, that's my hope. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Books teach empathy and it's great that there is a book um, that this book teaches that yeah. to young readers. Um, I don't know. I guess final thoughts? <laughs> final thoughts. Um, I liked it. I'm glad I read it. Um, I want to watch the movie. and need to find time to, it's on to watch it. Yeah. It's in my queue. It's just I didn't get to it because it's film festival week in LA and I've just been swamped. I know it's not the best excuse, but I've been watching a lot of other films oh yeah that have been pretty good so you know interesting fact the uh the actress who plays pi the main character in the in the film yeah mm -hmm. uh keisha ha castle hughes she is one of the sand sisters in game of thrones oh the other one's going around murdering everyone right everyone murders each other <laughs> in game of thrones right yeah they're, they're like um they're like the assassins right or yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the books, they're a little bit more awesome. Oh. All about female empowerment and all. But <laughs> cool. Uh, it's kind of interesting with Keisha's career is that since Willard, I've been following it a bit, and she's always like the roles that she gets cast in. She's either playing like a leader or a warrior or just you know just a generally strong female character. Like um, I don't know if either of you have ever seen the Nativity Story. Um, but she played Mary in that oh, film. Oh, cool. I also know that uh, she's been a, a very strong mental health advocate. Um, May is May is yeah. Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, but it's, but it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm. Um, so I know that she's been a leader in that community as well. So it's... I mean, I think she carries that, like, aura. Yeah. Like, she has, like, charisma. So um, I'm glad that she hasn't fizzled out being like you know a lot of mm -hmm. child actors they fizzle out in, later in their careers so yeah. it's great that she's doing good things and it's great that this book and the story has uh has survived all these years <laughs> yeah what are your final thoughts about it my final thoughts um i kind of wish i had read this book when i was younger mm -hmm. um yeah a lot of a lot of books that i read 
when I was younger, it had like male protagonists and a lot of uh, a lot of princess tales. Mm. Sadly, so um, I wonder what what a younger me would have thought if I had read this if I had read this book when I was like ten. But um, it's a little too late now. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it, and um, the criticisms that I have of it, I mean. It's for younger readers. Yeah. So I can't really complain too much about character depth or <laughs> or conflict. I kind of just accepted the the cheesy parts or the parts that were kind of a little too convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it, it's a very simple story, yeah. but with a lot of... Um, a lot of heart. A lot of heart, yeah. yeah. I'll be Lauren. Final thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, this was my like 12th or 13th time reading it. <laughs> what, what makes you um, uh, go back and read it every year? Is there because sp- I think it tells a story that even now I think people need to wrap their heads around regarding, you know, that girls and women shouldn't be limited to what they can or cannot do based on their gender. I think that's, you know, regardless of how corny it may seem to some, it's still a really powerful message that people need to get in their heads. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our discussion of The Will Writer by Witi. Ihimera? Ihimara. Ihimara. I mean, okay. <laughs> Apologies. I might never get that. <laughs> I've, I've accepted my flaws. Witi Ihimara. Okay. Got it. For the next 10 seconds, I have it. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, hopefully, you guys all enjoyed this book as well if you have any thoughts to add to our discussion um, please do so in our goodreads forums you can find our goodreads group by searching books and bobo at goodreads.com that's where we also do a lot of our discussion about the latest book news and um discussion on our book picks um Rira, why don't you tell us what we're reading for the month of may which is asian pacific american heritage month okay so this is probably the longest book that we have chosen um <laughs> But for the month of May, we are reading The Sympathizers by Viet Thanh Nguyen. Mm. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel, so it yeah, it's a heavy, heavy duty one. Strap in. It's going to be a long one, but... It is not 150 pages, <laughs> so please start early. But I'm excited. I've been waiting to read this book. I've been holding off on it. Thanks. I, think, I yeah. think it's been on a lot of people's to-read pile, but mm-hmm. they just haven't picked it up yeah. for some reason. And he's gone on to like write another book since then, right? He just released a book earlier this month. It's just <laughs> like, I feel so bad. I should have read his book earlier, but now I have the chance. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a story about um, Vietnam from a Vietnamese perspective. It's a political thriller. Yeah, so excited to read that. Um, if you have any other books on, um, if you have any other book suggestions or books you want to talk about, um, please do so on our forums. Um, you don't have to read just the books we pick. Um, there's tons. Like, if you've followed any of our mid-month news episodes, you know there's tons of books coming out right now by Asian and Asian American authors. So check those out. Um, thanks again to Lauren Lola for joining us and discussing The Whale Rider. Um, Lauren, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Echo Lauren Lola. And if you want to read any of my works, just search Lauren Lola on Amazon and other book retailers. Um, And so that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thanks again, and um, we'll see you next time. Keep reading. (laughs) Bye.
This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu, and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the other great programs on the Potluck Podcast Network, such as the Collabcast, another podcast that I host about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. Here's a little sampler on what you can expect from the Collabcast. All right, let's get real, guys. Let's talk. Marvin's leaning in right now. He's getting upset. All right, America, we gotta talk <laughs> about the holiday season. The holiday season is Halloween, then Thanksgiving. And then Christmas. One in my store just last week, not even Halloween yet, already Santa Claus is everywhere. Of course. Candy canes everywhere. I'm like, it's encroachment. It's <laughs> you're like, you're not waiting your turn. <laughs> Thanksgiving hasn't even had the chance yet. Like what happened to all like I, I granted, okay, Thanksgiving decorations aren't that pretty. It's just pretty much dead leaves, right? It's just brown and orange <laughs> leaves and like a turkey. <laughs> Uh, Thanksgiving is about the food, so the only place you're going to see the, that matter is in a supermarket, and everyone else, no one cares. They're all it's consumer I'm just saying, America. Cool it. <laughs> Your roundtable cool discussion it. is over. I mean, but uh, Marvin, I hope you feel better. Marvin's Let's a just establish that Marvin. Can I just say it? You can edit this out. No, go for it. You have a gash on your head, dog. <laughs> I'm not laughing. It's really, it's I'm really horrible, worried. actually. I'm really but worried. But I'm laughing. I am worried because that shit is kind of deep. It's a yeah. deep cut. It's, it's like okay. Rare Beats. It's like Rare Beats DJ deep cut. I think it's top bleeding. <laughs> so. You go to Walgreens and get that like, butterfly dude. Bandage. I think it stopped bleeding, dude. And you got that like earlier, like late last night, earlier this Probably morning. Probably like six hours ago. But yeah. still, let me take a look. You guys, oh my god, don't touch it. It's kind of healing. I mean, it's coagulating, so that shit's yeah. not bleeding. Oh, coagulating. Yeah, Te- Te- I can't say Technical. Don't it's okay, worry. it's 10 a.m. Yeah. I will edit that to make it sound like you said it on your first try. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. But now that I called it out, everyone will know. That no, was, it's cool. Yes. I feel like this I feel like this this podcast in particular needs to be minimal editing. What gen- are you are you Yonsei? Or Yonsei. 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 So you're okay. that's fourth generation, right? Fourth generation. Yeah. So, shit. All of us here, the rest of us here, we're all second or 1.5 generation. Like, we sure I, I want to ask, how is it like to have Asian Americans as parents? AKA, yeah. how are we going to be how like we when we're... <laughs> how are we going to be parents? How I've, cool. actually, like, I've actually had this conversation with a bunch of people over the past few <laughs> weeks. I, I find it... Well, I've never gotten asked that question that way. Um, <laughs> well, it was... it was it's, it's like you sort of grow up, like, not really... Well, okay, and I was in a very specific context. I was surrounded by um, second-generation Chinese Canadians, and so um, it's funny watching fresh off the boat because I'm kind of recognizing it, but in like <laughs> a sort of like, oh, that's what I wanted uh, kind of way. Uh. So like, um, everyone kind of jokes about trading their like Asian food for sandwiches, 
I was trading my fruit roll-ups for my friends like Chinese crackers. <laughs> this is a sitcom right here. No, we need to. This is a sitcom. Sean Mira. And like, like my friends were the ones. Like my brother came home to school one day and asked my mom if we were Chinese. Like. <laughs> You know, the first one of the first emails because you know I'm totally one of those people wake up and I'm in bed and I get on my phone, mm-hmm. and one of the first emails was like, uh, and I was saying like, oh your week's gonna be rocky, Mercury's in retrograde, and I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so weird because I've had multiple conversations, you know, with friends and with with boyfriends in the past, and like how much people buy into this stuff, and I'm I'm just very observant and I'm. I've seen so much to to tell it me that it, it does affect. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, as as a like, boyfriend, as matter. a boyfriend of someone who very much believes this stuff, it affects everything. Whether it's real or not, it's real to her. So that's yeah. Like, so maybe it's like the fact that she believes in it that it happens. And so I was like, the fact that I just read this title, like, has it messed up my entire week? So we're going from that to manifestation now. Both it's of just them. Like, <laughs> both of them. It's like they go hand in hand, though. Confluence of. <laughs> It's interesting because I'm, I'm pitching a show right now. Um, it's called Grow Up Julie. <laughs> <laughs> may or may not be loosely based on my life. Um, and the question oh, that... her name is Julie. <laughs> and the character's name is Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But what's interesting is... I have an ad, though. <laughs> every room I've been in uh, pitching the show, one of the first questions usually asked by a non-Asian person is... How is this this different from Fresh Off the Boat? Um, First of all, my (laughs) show is completely different from Fresh Off the Boat. Um, And second, it appalls me that it seems like there can only be one Asian show on the air. And they're like, oh, well, your show... It's the unwritten rule in the the contract of Hollywood. Right? The Constitution, right? Right? That's... It's fascinating. It it doesn't appall me. It doesn't surprise me or appall me. Or it feels feels just about right. (laughs) (laughs) Check out the Collabcast every Monday on podcastpotluck.com.